Are you interested in elevating your energy, getting rid of mind fog, saying goodbye to inflammation for good, repairing your gut biome, detoxing from cancer-causing glyphosate, and losing weight? What if you could do all of that by not engaging in single-use plastic while enjoying delicious 100% organic superfoods which are sustainably grown and dehydrated on local farms within the U.S.? Look into the Purium Ultimate Lifestyle Transformation and remember to use referral code MANDELA for 25% off your superfoods. Welcome to the Trail Less Traveled, an adventure series dedicated to taking you back to mankind's earliest form of entertainment, storytelling. Missoula, Montana is a mecca for outdoor enthusiasts, and each week we will bring you tales of outdoor adventures both near and far, as well as adventure information and inspiration, and a few tunes to set the mood. You can read more about the show online at traillesstraveled.net. And now here's your host, Grand Canyon Whitewater Guide, yoga instructor, and master of the didgeridoo, Mandela. We are recording the Trail Less Traveled today at the Backpack in Cape Town, South Africa, and I'm sitting with Lee Harris, and Lee is one of the owners of the Backpack. The Backpack started in 1990, and it has won countless awards. It is by far the best backpacker in South Africa, and in, in my opinion, in all of Africa. And you'll know that when you come here, because the environment is amazing, there's gardens, community, and also a big part of the Backpack is giving back to the community in Cape Town and surrounding areas. We're going to talk to Lee more about that later. But before we get into that, Lee, I wanted to talk to you about your childhood and the early evolution of you as an adventurer. So my first question for you is where did you grow up and how was adventure a part of your childhood? So I was extremely lucky. I grew up in Seapoint, which is not far from where we're sitting now, on the Atlantic seaboard in Cape Town and uh, very close to the beach. So I've always had a great passion to live and be close to the sea. For adventure, when I was quite young, my parents who were working would send me up to my mother's sister and brother-in-law in in Pretoria. Mm -hmm. And to entertain me, they would show me slides of their travels. And I would see these beautiful, beautiful stories about uh, Thailand and Japan. And I just wanted to go there. So I always had that dream to travel from when I was quite young. Seapoint was a very laid-back suburb. Mm-hmm. It was very child-friendly. You could play on the streets. There was a great sense of community. Being Jewish, that was a quite a big Jewish community that we belonged to. And it was a very cosy, comforting time to grow up as a child. Unfortunately, it wasn't like that for many people in South Africa, but being a white middle-class child, it was a very, very nice free time. You could have the front door open 24 hours a day. We only used to close it when we went to sleep at night. It was just a really, really comfortable, comfortable place. Lee, for someone listening who doesn't understand why it would have been a challenge for others in South Africa at the time, could you explain what was going on during that time? So that was the height of apartheid and uh, many people were marginalized. Black people were not allowed to live in Cape Town. They had to go back to homelands that some of them had never even actually even been to. They had to have passes to come into the city if you were black. In South Africa, we have different 
degrees of blackness, shall we say. So if you were coloured, you belonged to a different race group and you were allowed to be in the Cape. The coloured community were made up of people who came out from the slaves the Dutch brought out in the 1700s when they came to, to South Africa, mixed with white settlers. And they were allowed more freedom, they were given more privileges. But if you were black, you were given less. Even in training for jobs, my father used to have a garage and he could train the coloured staff members to become mechanics. Black staff members, even if they showed aptitude, were never allowed to be a part of that. The jobs were reserved. So they could fill your cars with petrol, but they were not allowed to pass you the spanner or work on vehicles. Terrible, terrible injustices like that, that were documented. They were, you know, you weren't allowed to do that. That was law by the apartheid government put in place to keep this hierarchy going. Lee, can we talk about the journey from apartheid to Mandela coming out of prison and kind of where South Africa is now from what you've observed? So um, I started my personal travels in uh, 1983. I wanted to go and see what the rest of the world was like because living under apartheid was not fun and not what I wanted in my life. I remember going out to the airport, there were army people stationed on bridges guarding the N2 to the airport. And so for the last, shall we say, 10 years of apartheid, I was mostly out of the country while people were fighting for freedom here. I looked at it from afar, but it it was gaining momentum. The United Democratic Front were very active, and eventually, eventually, just before 1990, there were rumours that they were going to release Nelson Mandela. And that's when my best friend Tony, who's my business partner, suggested that I come back to South Africa. And... It was a very exciting time because in 1990 Mandela was released and there was this great optimism for the future of this country. Many people had left, those who could, because they felt that there was going to be a bloodbath in this country. But actually, luckily, that did not happen. Somehow, through the grace of Nelson Mandela and the the wonderful people of of this, this country who could forgive the apartheid government... So there was this great excitement that we could come back and rebuild a free and fair South Africa. We're here on location in Cape Town, South Africa at the Backpack. Countless award-winning hostel in the heart of the city. And I'm speaking with Lee Harris, who is one of the owners of the Backpack. Now, the Backpack started in 1990 and... That was right, like, as you said, you came back from your travels to South Africa when Mandela was going to be released. But I'm wondering also, because my father's South African and he talked about some of the struggles that he had traveling as a South African during apartheid. Can you talk a little bit about that? If Did you encounter anything? So uh, I was one of the lucky few whose father was born in England. Mm-hmm. And so I could get a foreign passport, a British passport. So that actually enabled me to travel. If you were a South African, you could not get into many, many countries. You needed visas. You were kicked out after your three weeks or three months or whatever. But I didn't have those restraints, having uh, been able to get a, a, a foreign passport. Mm-hmm. So I was very lucky. And it also enabled me to stay much longer in Europe Mm -hmm. because of that. 
here at the backpack, the room that I'm staying in is called the Madiba room. And Madiba is one of the names that this nation calls Nelson Mandela. So many people know who Nelson Mandela is, but Lee, I am going to ask you if you could tell us who Mandela was. <laughs> That's a very, very difficult question to answer because for us, he was one of the greatest men that ever lived. I mean, someone who could be locked away for 27 years and come out with forgiveness in his heart is a saint, close to a saint, a sainthood. And he was a very smart, clever man that we were so lucky to have to see us through this transitional period because without him I don't know what would have happened unfortunately I never got to meet him personally I managed to get a glimpse of him on the buildings of Cape Town we were with many many people on the grand parade uh, just there and the excitement the feeling of something great was going to happen mm-hmm. and while he was around things did happen he was able to make all people feel understood there's a word called ubuntu which doesn't have a direct translation but he was filled with this ubuntu which he tried to pass on to to us in south africa this wonderful feeling of forgiveness and i'm sure there's much better definitions of the word Wow, it's, it's so, you've asked such a question of this man. I mean, he, he is like a saint. He was a saint to us, you know. He was so clever. Did you ever see a movie called Invictus? Yeah. That is a movie that all people should see because that will really show you how he thought things out, how he could bring unity because it was about bringing unity. Here you've got these people at opposite ends. You've got your apartheid people. You've got your new young black community that's going to take over the country how do you how do you connect them how do you bring them together and he understood that sport was one of the most unifying things in this country and we did really well in 1995 we won the world cup in rugby in 1996 we won the african cup of nations for soccer these are the things that bring people together you forget about everything else just the game Mm -hmm. and when he came out wearing the number six jumper at the World Cup Rugby. Everybody, everybody was united. There was this feeling, this chies, as we call it, this wonderful fever of happiness that spread around the country. And we've seen it again when we got the World Cup soccer in 2010. It is possible. It is possible to change this country. Unfortunately, the last 10 years have been terrible. The people that were in power did not have the same principles and ideals of Nelson Mandela. They've been grabbing and money grabbing, and from everybody, from their own people. They have stolen, raped, pillaged this country. So that now we are actually, today is a very important day in South Africa, it's our annual budget. And we don't know where the money is going to come from to help save this country. We're having power cuts. We've never had power cuts before. State-owned enterprises are all failing in this country because the money's been stolen. We have a word called tenderpreneurs. Do you know what a tenderpreneur is? So when you have a job that has to be done, you tender for the job. And through cronyism, through inequalities, the jobs are given to people that 
are not perhaps qualified for the job. They get these tenders. They then don't know how to do the job, but they get vast amounts of money to fix the roads. Then the roads don't get fixed, but the money's already gone. It's very cleverly done. Buying coal from this company, then selling it on to that company, you know, before it used to just go from one to the other. There's all these middlemen that come along the way. The money gets stolen. Trains, trains for transport. They did this huge buy-in of, of these trains. The trains actually didn't fit on the railway lines. But they wanted that job because there was backhanders. They could siphon off money. But we sit with a whole lot of trains that don't work. That is what is the type of corruption that's been happening in this country. We are recording the trail less traveled today at the Backpack in the heart of Cape Town, South Africa, and I'm sitting here with one of the owners of the Backpack. It's a youth hostel here, and her name is Lee Harris. When we come back, we're going to talk more about some of the history of the Cape. But Lee, now it's time for a little break and a song. So I'm wondering if you could share a song with us that reminds you of your early childhood adventures. Scatlings of Africa would be one of my favorite songs, and when you're living far away from your home, you hear that song, it really brings you back home. Scatterlings of Africa is a song by Johnny Clegg. By some in the country, was known as the White Zulu, and I think it's a good opportunity now to just talk a little bit about Johnny Clegg and how he broke the rules, these stupid rules that were developed during apartheid about how you couldn't be with someone else who didn't have the same color skin as you, but Johnny would meet up and make music, beautiful music, that would bring people yeah. together. Can you talk about he Johnny Clegg? He would go to the hostels, as they were called, where the men only who were brought in to work on the mines. He would go there and learn and play, and they would sneak him in to these hostels because he wasn't really allowed to be there. And then sometimes the police would find him there and take him back home, tell his parents, what are you doing? How are you letting this boy go there? But that's where he learned the sound of Africa, I think. He was a great anthropologist as well. He, he was a lecturer in anthropology. And the most amazing, amazing man. Unfortunately, he passed away last year and we were devastated. Just, it's, it's, still, it's still very heart sore for many of us in, the, in this country. Aloha, my name is Rebecca Hall. I'm here on the beautiful island of Kauai. I'm a massage therapist and a yoga instructor and a wellness coach. And I wanted to share my story here gratefully for these healing superfoods. My husband and I hit rock bottom here in Kauai about four years ago. Our son was 18 months old. We have a beautiful garden and dig up turmeric and juice from our garden every day. However, just the pressures of life really got to us. And it got to my husband so severely that he became suicide depressed. He couldn't hold on to his tools at work anymore, just from chronic inflammation. So I took on more massage and then I became injured. We both put a massive prayer out for something to change in our life. These superfoods came along and completely transformed our life. Within about a week of using the superfoods, my husband started speaking again. He could make a fist with his hand and hold on to things. And my lifetime osteoarthritis pain and inflammation disappeared. So we're extremely grateful for these superfoods. They've completely changed our life. Thank you, Mandela, for taking the opportunity to share. Aloha. 
Visit iShopPurium.com and check out Purium Ultimate Lifestyle Transformation. Remember to use referral code MANDELA for 25% off your order. That referral code, M-A-N-D-E-L-A, will also help the future of Adventure Radio. We are recording the trail less traveled today in Cape Town, South Africa, and I'm here with Lee Harris, who's one of the owners of the backpack, and the backpack has won countless awards. Lee, this is, again, a radio show, so the listener doesn't know where we are right now, but I'm wondering if we could just maybe step outside the door, and if you could just describe what you're looking at outside. Literally, we're walking to Lee's door, her office. I'm going to hand her the microphone, and I'm wondering if you could paint the picture to the listener as to what you see outside your office. So I'm very lucky. I have a great view out here. I can see Table Mountain. And at the moment, there is a little bit of cloud on the top. It's not the one that we call the tablecloth. That's the southeast that comes from a slightly different direction. This is a southwester. It's really beautiful. You know, this mountain is here every day. And you would think, oh, it's just a mountain. It's every but every day it's different. Every day there's a different light. There's a different cloud. There's a different feel. But it's always majestic and it's always beautiful. You know, as Cape Townians, they say it's very, very hard to relocate. And this is the main reason why is this mountain that attracts us and draws us in. Mm. And then you have beautiful gardens here at the backpack. Uh, can you tell us about some of the plants that you're we're looking at outside your window? So one of them that we've got down here is this tiny little one here. It's called a speckworm, which is an incredible plant. And we are trying to plant as much of that as possible to offset our carbon because it's a carbon munching plant. And not only that, it's that it tastes delicious. You can eat it. It's got a slight lemony flavor. You can put it in your gin and tonics. <laughs> you might want to put it in your Vatablomiki bready with lamb. And to get, you normally put a bit of lemon in instead of lemon. You can use speckworm to flavor it. So that is a wonderful plant. And we're very happy to try and propagate as much of it as possible now to offset the carbon. So, you know, there's this flight shaming that's happening around the world is that people are, are requested by Greta Thunberg, who we all admire and love, but not to travel long distances. Mm-hmm. So in order to offset that is to plant trees. Yes. Because that is the way to go. Because I don't think we're going to stop the way we travel, mm-hmm. but why not make a difference in how we travel? So make it better. Wherever you can, wherever you're going, there's the need to plant trees. So whatever trees there are, plant as many trees as you can. Yes. That's the voice of Lee Harris. She is one of the owners here at the Backpack, which is an, a multi-award winning hostel here in the heart of Cape Town. Now, we're talking about how you're giving back here at the Backpack by planting trees, and you are giving back in so many ways. So eventually, I want to talk to you about how you started the Backpack with Tony. But let's just talk right now about all the different ways that you're giving back to the local communities and why that's important. Well, we've been very lucky and being successful You're not successful on your own. You're only successful because of all the people that help you to become successful. And in about 2000, Tony and I decided that we do township tours. People go out to the township of what we were doing in the townships to make it better. And we had started helping this one lady there who was living in a shack, Henrietta. She lived there with her children. During the day, it was a creche. She had about 30 children that she looked after in this one room. It was made out of sink 
and wood and but there was nothing in, the, in there. If it rained, it would come through the ceiling. There was no carpets on the floor. So we just started off initially by being a, like a, call us conduits. We had access to things and we were able to pass them on to other people. So we knew someone who was redoing their house. We got their carpets and we managed to put carpets in their house. We collected some money and we bought tables and chairs for the children so they could sit at a table and, and chair and, and able to learn better, shall we say. And then we thought, well, maybe we could build her a house you know there were all these RDP houses which were reconstruction and development program houses that the government was giving out so if Henrietta had access to some land maybe we could build her slightly better RDP house where she could live there and run her crash so that was a big project for us and we got some friends of ours on board so between the backpack and day trippers we collected enough money and we built crash which were really really beautiful little building it had two rooms for two classes at the back it had a room for Henrietta to say there was a bathroom with tiny toilets for the little ones and a little area where we could put a little jungle gym in and so that was our first forage into the townships to actually give back we would hold clothing sales right outside the building when it was done because we collect a lot of clothing a lot of our guests leave stuff behind that are perfectly fine they're just sick of them they've been in their backpacks for the last three months or more and they didn't want to see them anymore and we would sell them very cheaply like five rand for a pair of jeans I'm not quite sure what that would equate to in dollars but it's less than a dollar less than a dollar and so we would collect this money to be able to fund what we were doing so maybe we needed to buy supplies for the school and that's how we would turn these things into cash to buy the things that we really needed after that we we decided to move on once Henrietta was up and running and she could do it by herself didn't need our help anymore we started looking around for other projects simple little projects that we did on site at the backpack was we started a stitch and bitch program. Tony's mother was a fantastic artist. She could sew, knit, do, make. She was incredible. And she passed on. And in her honor, we started the stitch and bitch program. So we call it Valley Stitch and Bitch. And we got wool supplied to us. Also through a, a fantastic program I'll tell you about. And so we started knitting blankets with knit squares so anybody could come in and knit a square you could come in you'd sit here on a winter's evening you'd knit a nice square we'd collect all the squares and we'd, then we'd find someone to sew them up and we'd make blankets and we would give them to an orphanage in the townships called Bafumelele and also another amazing amazing project so that's one of the little things that we continue to do here so throughout the year we knit and then at winter time we try and we knit scarves we knit blankets and we we give them to Bafumelele. Also with all our old towels and sheets that are not good enough anymore we give those over to an animal shelter in the township called Umzananda Animal Clinic and my gorgeous little pooch sitting here next to me her name's Lenny. Umfeleni is her real name she comes from Umfeleni Township and she was rescued and taken to Msananda Animal Clinic and that's where I got her. She was about 10 weeks old and she's now nearly 8 years old. We moved on, as I said, into other projects. 
And before the World Cup in 2010, we started looking for a soccer project. Someone had asked us, do we have a soccer project? They'd like to get involved. So we looked around and uh, eventually we sourced this guy. His name was Mario, who was an ex-gangster, a real ex-gangster. And luckily for him, he met a wonderful woman. And she said, I don't want you. If you don't find God in your life, you can carry on without me. But if you want me, you have to change. And he was so in love, he changed. And he started this soccer club called Greater Commission United. And when we met him, he was working out of a field, had nothing. He somehow had managed to get a car, a vehicle, a little a taxi, minibus taxi, as we call them, a utility people mover. And he used to see about 350 children a week who would come, get them off the streets, keep them out of gangsterism and drugs, and in a township called Haderfelt, gangland area. Driving through Haderfelt during the day, you would think, oh, it's a very nice little suburb but boy at night time you wouldn't want to be driving around there they have these apartment blocks small little apartment blocks three stories high dangerous gangsters you drive through there you see the gangsters sitting there even during the day right next to the schools that our children are going to selling drugs and trying to corrupt young children So we started off just by getting soccer kit. So we would ask our guests on our website, please to bring leftover things. You know, kids grow out of their stuff so quickly. Mm -hmm. So they would bring secondhand t-shirts, secondhand boots. And that's how we take these things to Mario. And I'm telling you, you can't believe it. Kids would unscrunch their feet from boots that were 10 sizes too small but they had boots that they were going to play in them and we were able to give them shoes that fitted and we could pass their boots on to the little ones coming up behind them so that's how we started and then we we somehow got in contact with this amazing American woman called Rebecca Rothney and she has a project called Pack for a Purpose and Pack for a Purpose is all over the world so she has connected with people in many countries and like us we are a depot so if you come to South Africa and you come with a suitcase that's not full you can bring us supplies we have a wish list on our website of what we need and people buy them collect them be second hand doesn't have to be new and bring them with you and then we hand them out on behalf of Rebecca it's the most incredible project and if you're traveling anywhere in the world I suggest you go to pack for a purpose and see what you can take to the countries that are in need and there's many 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 places so on our wish list we look for stationery for school we look for soccer kit soccer balls sanitary towels for girls because you know so many girls don't go to school every month because they don't have sanitary towels it's a huge problem in this country Mm. huge because they're so expensive. Yeah. Should be free. Yeah. You know, condoms are free. Yeah. What about girls? You yeah. know, keep them uneducated. You know, keep them. So that's one of the things that you can bring: sanitary towels. And as I say, it's the most incredible, incredible project. And and thanks to Rebecca Rothney because she is amazing, a real, a real hero in our time. Mm. So that's how we started, and then we also have helped 
as I say, we're a conduit. We meet people. We we meet the best people at the backpack. We have the most incredible guests that come and stay here. And many of them along the way have been introduced to to Mario and have gone out. And now Mario is reaching about four to 5,000 children a week in the townships. He's got reading programs happening there. He's got literature programs that are happening there. And we also started, there was nothing for the girls. So instead of just the soccer emphasis, we said, why don't you do something for girls? Tony actually, with her daughter, had seen a program about uh, rope skipping. And so we got involved with that and we started a girl project with Mario for girl skippers. And we managed to get trainers to come to the school because Mario worked now, worked out of a school called Woodlands Primary. And we got a team together. In fact, at one time we were able to train the whole primary school once a week. But unfortunately it got too expensive for us to continue with that. So we just concentrated on the school group and they did very well. So rope skipping is part of the gymnastics side of things and they would go and compete all over South Africa. So we would have to get funding to get them to Johannesburg and we would have to get funding to get them to Durban and we were so relieved when it was only in Cape Town and we could just bust them there because it's expensive to get the kids to these places and then they had to have uniforms to so they all look neat and nice and the same anyway they, they won gold medals so they went from nowhere to winning gold medals one child we sponsored all the way through her schooling through her tertiary education and now she's a young adult and she's got a diploma behind her she's in the job market well in the field working as an HR practitioner and giving back to the community so we feel that at least one child we managed to see through school, tertiary, and is now able to carry on giving back to her community. Amazing. That is the voice of Lee Harris, and we are here in Cape Town, South Africa, at the Backpack. Lee is one of the owners of the Backpack. It has won countless awards. And when we come back, we're going to talk to Lee about the journey of creating the Backpack. Lee, it's now time for another song. So also while I was traveling, I was very lucky enough to go and see Paul Simon. And he had teamed up with Ladysmith Black Mambazo. And one of the songs that I love is Diamonds on the Soles of Her Feet. That also sort of tugs at your heartstrings when you're not at home. It reminds you of home and the beautiful voice that unfortunately he passed away as well last week. The leader, Joseph Shabalala. Yeah, but the music will live on. And they won many, many Grammy Awards for their songs. And thank you to Paul Simon for showcasing our music around the world because that really brought attention to the wonderful sounds of Africa. We are recording the Trail Less Travel today in the heart of Cape Town, South Africa. We're at the Backpack, and the Backpack is a hostel in town. I'm currently staying in the Madiba Room. Many of the rooms are named after South Africans who are, have made a change or have done amazing things. And, of course, Madiba is Nelson Mandela. So I'm very honored to be staying in the Madiba Room. And it's beautiful. I mean, there's a beautiful shower in there, amazing wallpaper with Nelson Mandela and wood floor and a wooden cupboard. And to be honest with you, I could totally see myself staying here for six months, which is what one of my friends John did when he first arrived in Cape Town. He lived here all put together, he thinks, maybe a, a couple of years. And... 
and still very good friends with my guest today, Lee, Lee Harris, and she's one of the owners of the backpack. So Lee, now I'd like to talk to you about the journey of creating the backpack. You started this place in 1990. Yeah, so my best friend Tony Brereton said to me, come back to South Africa, and I did. And we were discussing what we would like to do with our lives because we, you know, you at a time sometimes when you're young, she was in her 20s and I was early 30s and I was at a crossroads in my life and we didn't know what we were going to do, what I was going to do. She was working and I was still in this travel mode and we hit upon this idea that we loved travellers, travelling and maybe we could do something in that line. So without any marketing, without any idea of what we're doing. It's 1990. It's still apartheid in South Africa. Nelson Mandela had been released, but South Africa was not yet free. We decided that maybe we could start a place for backpackers to come and stay. And we begged, borrowed, stole, not literally, but, you know, money to go. We got a house together. We luckily chose in the right area. We got beds from family and friends. And we put together a 13-bed hostel, and we decided to call it the backpack. And we didn't know how it would be, so we we went down. There was a a small tourism office. We said we were going to open up on the Saturday, and on the Friday we were having a party here for all our friends. And they phoned us up and said, listen, and we know you're only opening tomorrow, but do you think this guy, he's, he's hurt his leg, he could come and stay tonight instead of, to, you know? And we said, no, 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 we, he, he can't come. He, we're having a party. I mean, what were we thinking? We weren't thinking. Here was our first guest, an Australian, and we were telling him not to come and stay, we're having a party. That's what backpackers do. They party, they make friends. And eventually we said, oh, okay, he can come. And he said he'll be very good and he... He was fantastic. So Paul Bristow, if you ever hear this recording, please come and say hi. We've tried to find you. We've got a picture of you. We still remember you, our first guest. And thank you for coming to stay at the backpack. And we were very, very lucky because the only competition that we had in Cape Town at the time were the International Youth Hostels. There was one in Camps Bay, very difficult to get to, run by wardens who were very unfriendly. And when we were full with our 13 beds, we would happily take people up there. And the very next day when we had space, they would come back down here. So luckily, they helped put us on the map. And we tried to make a place that people could feel safe, especially women, women travellers on their own. We wanted to make sure that there was a good place for them to stay. And try to put into our backpackers things that we wanted to see, that we liked. So lovely, fresh, bright walls, uh, stylish we've always loved Shweshwe right from the very beginning Shweshwe is a local indigenous fabric it used to be made in England but for this local market and worn by black people would be buying it and making their clothes Tony's mother made all our curtains and some of that fabric is very old, they do not make those designs anymore because people want more modern designs So we decorated our place as we thought was stylishly. And even though things were secondhand, they had to look good. They had to look nice. And I think that set us apart right from the very beginning. And we got very busy to have the cutting edge 
you know, in the youth hostel, you were kicked out at 10 o'clock in the morning. You were only allowed back at half past five. So we used to let people come back at two o'clock. So that, yes, they'd want to come and stay with us because they weren't kicked out the whole day. And eventually we gave up on closing our doors at all. We stayed open all day. And also we had mixed dormitories, which was like, how could you have girls and boys together? Well, why not? You're traveling with your boyfriend. You don't want him to be in another room. You've got your stuff in his bag and his stuff in your bag. And you're a team. You want to be together. So that was also another thing that set us apart. We had mixed dormitories and we had rooms for girls only so that they could feel comfortable. And we managed to grow and get the next house and over the years, and it's been 30 years now, we've got four houses right next door to each other. So we've been very, very lucky. And I think that's one of the things that's made our place different from other places, that even when we are busy and we are full, you can always find a little quiet spot, a little nook, a little corner where you can have a quiet moment if you want. Or you can join in and have fun in our bar and veranda areas, by our swimming pool, in our garden. There's a place for everyone. That is the voice of Lee Harris, and she is one of the owners of The Backpack. And the Backpack is a hostel in the heart of Cape Town that has won countless awards. I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about the history of Cape Town. So long before 1652, when the Dutch arrived here, the Khoisan people were living here. Mm-hmm. And if you come to Cape Town, no visit is complete without going to visit Kwatu up the west coast, which is a sand village where you can really see the most incredible they've just got a new museum that they've put in there and you can find out all about the Khoi and the sand people that lived here they were hunter-gatherers they were absolutely fantastic in being self-sufficient in every way they knew where to find water they knew what plants to eat they knew what herbs to use for medicine they knew what was poisonous and how they could track they were very good hunters what poison they would need for their arrows and like hunter gatherers they never took more than they needed unlike us who we take far more than we need and waste too much Mm. so I would definitely say no visit to South Africa or to Cape Town is complete without a visit to Kwatu which is a fair trade set up and which I omitted to tell you, the backpack is also fair trade accredited. We were the first backpackers to be accredited in South Africa. It's uh, different from fair trade coffee and chocolate and things like that. It's about how we give back to our staff members and the community, which we've discussed. And they look at everything that we do to become accredited. So we try and help our staff to uplift them bursaries for their children if they want to study or for themselves we pay for school fees so that we can try and raise people out of poverty Mm. so that's digressed a bit from your question about the history of the Cape Mm -hmm. so then in 1652 Jan van Rebeck arrived to set up a food station here in their endeavours to keep uh, sailors healthy on their way to the Far East and the Dutch East India Company had problems in Indonesia, Malaysia, and they would bring slaves or felons to South Africa. And they were incredible in the fact that they were the artisans. These people became 
the coopers who made the barrels for the wine. They were the tailors. They could fix the ox wagons. And if you go to the Burkhark, which you might have done and seen the beautiful, colorful houses there, that is the oldest selection of houses that still exist in its entirety in South Africa. And the Malay community still live here. And it's our food, everything, that how we live in Cape Town is influenced by these people that were brought here in the 1700s, 1800s by the Dutch. We eat things like boboti, which is sweet and full of curry and delicious meat dish that we eat, flavoured with Malay spices, which is a very different type of curry from Durban, which was influenced by the Indians that were brought to South Africa as indentured slaves to work in the in the sugar fields. Samosas are a delicacy that we all love. And a salome. Have you had a salome? No trip is complete without tasting a salome, which is a roti, a flat pancake, and it's filled with a, a filling of a spicy curry wrapped up and food to go, delicious street food to go. Uh, local delicacy that we've inherited from our Malay members of our community. Beautiful, Lee. Now I would like to ask you what you love about your city. What do you love about Cape Town? I think what I love about Cape Town the most are the people. We're a melting pot of people. As I've said, we come from Indonesia, Malaysia, we come from Holland, we come from England, all over, and it's that colourful, spicy mix on our streets that I think it's just brings a great mix to the city. We have carnivals here, we have our Twitter Da Nivia, where we can, people are dancing dancing on the street. And how Twitter Da Nivia, that's second day New Year, came about is because the poor slaves had to work on New Year's Day and couldn't celebrate New Year. But on the 2nd of January, they were given off. And they celebrated New Year by dancing on the streets and having colourful costumes and minstrel costumes. And it's still in existence today. We have our carnival every year. It's fantastic. The streets get closed. People camp out from the night before to get front row seats. And uh, we all experience this wonderful celebration and that's what I think I love most about it but geographically Cape Town is very special you have the sea you have the mountains and within minutes you can feel like you in the nature on the mountain or you could be swimming in our beautiful fresh icy waters that are of invigorating or you could travel to the winelands 45 minutes away and taste delicious wines. Everything is in a very close proximity. And I think that's what makes Cape Town so special. We really have it all. In closingly, when I talk about South Africa and I talk with just passion and, and my family and the wine country and how much I love Cape Town, the same kind of question keeps coming up from people. They would love to come, but they're afraid because what do they hear in the media about crime and stuff? So can you shed a little bit of light on that so that maybe people can be mindful and aware, but still come and visit this amazing place? Yeah, I think throughout the world, crime is on the increase because there are less jobs. However, there are, as you say, mindfulness, behaving mindfully is the way to go, you know. There's Ubers, you can Uber around at nighttime, don't walk in the streets at nighttime. 
you might not want to do that in the city where you live anyway. How often do you uh, walk in the, in the streets of your own hometown? And if you do, you are pretty lucky. When you go up the mountain, you've got to be careful when you go up a mountain, for, not for crime, but, uh, you know, it's dangerous to go up a mountain. So we ask people to tell us where they're going and to say, how's it when they come back, that we know they got back safely. I think a lot of crime is, is opportunistic. So people have conjured up a little story to try and part you from your money. Like you can't walk down the street because they're filming and uh, you need a permit to walk down the street. So come to the ATM and we can do the deal there because then, then you can get you the permit. And unfortunately, that is when you are parted from your money. You don't ever have to pay to walk on our streets. So I think in a lot of respects where there is crime, it's mostly opportunistic. If you're driving around, keep stuff out of sight in your car. When you get out of the car, we say, stash it, don't flash it. And keep your doors locked because maybe it's something that's, that's opportunistic. Mm-hmm. Beautifully, just like we said earlier, mindfulness. You know, you might not be used to driving around in a city with your doors locked, but that's kind of one of the behaviors that even the locals do here and won't hold you back from seeing the beautiful city, but you just may have to shift a little bit of your activities than what you might do at home. But that's partly why we travel, right? To get different experiences. I wanted to say thank you so, so much, Lee, to both you and to Tony for inviting me here to stay at the Backpack. It's been amazing, and I look forward to seeing you again. Can't wait to see you again. Come back soon. Bring your friends. Let's end your show with three bits of advice that you can share with the listener. I would say when you're walking around the city, don't take things that you don't need with you. Leave your valuables locked away in the safes provided in your hotels and backpackers' accommodation. Our sun is fierce. So always remember, have a hat, suntan lotion, and some water to drink, because that's really an essential for keeping your body cool and hydrated. The third thing was don't drink and drive, because it's very easy to be tempted by delicious wines when you're on a wine route, but perhaps take a tour, and then you can drink as much as you like, or bring your bottle back home and have it with you when you're at home. Yeah, Keep our roads safe. Wonderful. And what song would you like to end your show with? I would like to end the show with a song by Simpiwe Dana called Bantu Biko, a great, beautiful song by a woman performer and artist. Namaste, Missoula, and my friends around the world. Mandela here, your host of The Trail Less Traveled. I want to thank you so much for joining me on location in Cape Town, South Africa. I'd also like to thank my guest for this evening, Lee Harris. Lee and Tony are the co-owners of The Backpack, which they started in 1990. The Backpack is a multi-award winning fair trade hostel that invests in people and communities, giving meaningful and relaxed travel experiences. The Backpack has been voted the best hostel in South Africa and the winner of the Green Accommodation Initiative. The Backpack gives back so much to their employees and their community. The Backpack has been accredited by Fair Trade in Tourism. The Backpack adheres to fair trade criteria, fair wages and working conditions, fair operations, purchasing and distribution of benefits, ethical business practices, and respect for human rights, culture, and the environment. The Backpack is a totally awesome place to stay. 
I've been going there since I was a little kid and most recently stayed at the backpack in their Nelson Mandela room. It was an honor to sit with Lee, and I know that I will return again. You can check it out for yourself by visiting backpackers.co.za. The Trail Less Traveled is dedicated to documenting humanity by collecting stories and sounds from the most remote locations around the world. You can listen to the show live every Sunday night at 6 p.m. Mountain Time. You can stream it at trail1033.com. And if you missed the show or you want to view our full archive of over 400 shows, check out the official website, traillesstraveled.net. The Trail Less Traveled is also a podcast that is available on all platforms, including Spotify and Pandora. My adventure tip this week is, instead of spending so much time thinking about where you're going to travel to next, perhaps put a little bit of thought into what you can do to help the people at those spots. One amazing way to give back when traveling, check out Pack for a Purpose, an initiative that allows travelers like you and me to make long-lasting impacts on the communities at our travel destination. If you save just a few kilos of space in your suitcase and bring supplies for community projects around the world, you'll make a priceless impact on lives of local children and families. This program is set up in countries all over the world, Please check it out for yourself by visiting packforapurpose.org. Well, that's it for this week, my friends in Missoula and around the world. But until next week's adventure, please get outside and do something for Mother Earth. My suggestion is to plant a tree. It's a beautiful time to plant a tree. And if you're able to, get outside and shred the gnar. Because as you know, the gnar does not shred itself. My name is Yuvia Storm. I live in Bend, Oregon. At 38 years old, I found myself experiencing brain fog, massive hormone shifts, exhaustion, forgetfulness, and extreme emotional highs and lows. I had jaw acne, night sweats, body aches, and sleepless nights. It was frustrating. I did yoga, ate minimal sugar and processed foods, gardened, fermented, sprouted. What was I doing wrong? Thanks to a dear friend, I found the ultimate lifestyle transformation. In just a few days, I felt lightness of being and clarity. By the end of my transformation, my face had cleared. I had energy. My body was toned, glowing, and flexible. Now, two years later, my hormones remain balanced, and my exhaustion and brain fog have not returned. Purium superfoods are 100% organic superfoods and herbs grown and dehydrated sustainably in the USA and then delivered to your door. Transform your life through daily cellular nutrition. It's worked for both Yuvia and myself. Visit iShopPurium.com and check out the Purium Ultimate Lifestyle Transformation. Remember to use referral code MANDELA for 25% off your order. That referral code, M-A-N-D-E-L-A, will not only help you, it will also help the future of Adventure Radio.